you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Uh, We are in week three of a series called Words. Everyone say word. No, no, say it with some attitude. Say word. A series uh, where we're unpacking the most profound sermon that Jesus ever preached. And, and as we dive into today, I just want to challenge you. Uh, there, there are two questions that tend to perplex humanity. In fact, actually, let me just hit, hit pause and do another commercial break. In a couple of weeks, we're starting, actually in about five weeks now, sorry. We're starting a series called Grown Up Faith. Everyone say Grown Up Faith. You don't want to miss this. Everything we do as a church is going to be built around and geared around it because there are 10,000 questions that all of humanity is asking on a regular basis, which can be boiled down to 10 major questions that if we can land on those foundationally in accordance with our faith, we'll be able to navigate through the, the craziest storms that life throws at us. So this whole series that we start in a few weeks is all about that, but two of those questions that perplex humanity and have been for millennia are the questions, who am I and why am I here? Do I I have purpose? Is there more than just sucking in air and living one day at a time? So who am I and why am I here? And and I'm I'm, I'm under the impression and of the belief that not only does Jesus answer those questions for us in the word, but I believe there's a profound attachment to what he is doing in and through our lives connected to the church. And I just want to challenge you over the course of the next 34 minutes and 13 seconds. Can we just lean in and see what God wants to do? And and maybe, just maybe, he'll unfold and unpack some of the answers to the questions that seem to be most challenging. Can we do that today? We can? I'm feeling a little feisty this morning. So do me a favor. Everyone stand to your feet. You're like, wait a minute, this does not calculate correctly. We're going to pray standing for a moment. Just kind of throwing in a curveball. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's just pray. God, I just thank you that you're here in this room. And we did not come here just to go home. We did not come here to leave the same. But God, we came for two reasons. To encounter your presence and to leave this place changed. So God, I just pray that you would do the miraculous in and through our lives right here and right now, like never before. In Jesus' name I pray, and everyone said, don't sit down. Thanks, Megan. Turn to four people, give them a high five or a fist bump, and then you may be seated. There it is. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. You may be seated. All right, all right. Well, let's dive into this series, and we're really unpacking what was referred to as the Sermon on the Mount, and that's when Jesus sat down on a hillside or a mountainside and began to preach, and it's found in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, but when he spoke, it changed everything, literally everything. And so we can't unpack every single aspect and nuance of these three chapters in just one series. Literally, we could take three years and just barely 
scratch the surface. So we're going to try to kind of pull and pick some of the major themes. And today we're going to jump back into what's referred to as the Beatitudes. If you missed last week, go back and get the podcast. I want to challenge you, text the word notes to the number on the screen so you can follow along with my notes. Because in the Beatitudes, Jesus, he points out eight aspects of character and conduct that should be evident in the life of a Christ follower. So let me give the disclaimer that we give every week with intentionality. If you're here and you don't know what you believe, welcome. You can stay here for the rest of your life and never believe what we believe. In fact, we say all the time, help me with this church, permission to what? Belong before you believe. If you are here today and you say, I am a follower of Jesus. In other words, there was a moment in my life where I crossed the threshold, the starting line of surrendering my life to Jesus. Then the words we're going to unpack today are for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's for you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, especially for you. And Jesus is saying, if you will pursue me and allow me to influence your character and your conduct, then that is a life of profound joy. And this is a joy that no man, no woman, no circumstance, no illness, no prognosis, diagnosis, financial crisis, loss of a job, loss of a loved one. This is a joy that no one can take away. And this is not just reserved for some distant future that hopefully maybe in the utopia in the future when I'm 45 or 55 or 75 or 85 or maybe when I die, I'll experience it. No, Jesus is saying this is a joy you can experience right now. Now, it's referred to as the Beatitudes because Jesus unpacked eight different statements, and every statement began with the word, blessed is he or she. And blessed literally means highly favored. I want to say highly favored. To be filled or fulfilled with joy. And so Jesus is saying, hey, when you experience these things, you are highly favored and blessed and fulfilled because of what I'm going to do in and through you. Today we're picking up and we're only going to hit on one today. Is that okay with you guys? Matthew, you don't have an option, do you? Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 and I'm going to start with the message paraphrase. I just like, you know I ate Chinese food last night and I'm feeling super gassy. Can y'all see it on my face? I'm trying to not belch but it's about to happen. So if I pull my mic away like this, you know what I'm doing. So I, I feel, I, by the way, I'm never eating Chinese food again. It jacked me up. Can I get a witness from some people who get jacked up by Chinese food? And so we're going to start with the message paraphrase. I feel it right here. I need some Tums. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it says this. How many of you have lost interest now because I talked about belching? It says, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. I love how other translations actually share it in, in uh, the English Standard or even the NIV. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So Jesus is using word pictures in relation to hunger because he knows it will get our attention. In fact, in John chapter 4, he says, I am the bread of life. 
In John chapter 4, verse 14, he says, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, he will never be thirsty again. He says, That water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So God's using the word pictures of food and drink because he knows two things how you and I love to eat some good food. Can I get an amen from some people today? And because of the necessity of life in relation to food and water. And what an interesting concept about this is the fact that Jesus is saying, when you are hungry and thirsty, then you will be filled. Not those who have eaten and like me feel bloated. He's saying, when you're hungry, that's when you're filled. It's this counterintuitive idea. A counterintuitive notion, and Jesus did this all of the time. And I think the reason he would kind of speak in parables and speak in a manner that seemed counterintuitive or paradoxical in nature is because the, the truth is this, that our faith has a tendency to morph into religion. Our faith and our livelihood of following Jesus has a tendency to morph into a process or a routine or a set of rules or a system all around the world today millions of christ followers have put the summation of their faith into attending a church service for an hour to an hour and a half they punch the clock and they leave and they've done their duty as a christian and so Jesus comes in and speaks in this counterintuitive way to remind us that if our faith has become a process or systems or rules or do's and don'ts, then it actually begins to lack passion and, well, it actually just lacks faith. And so Jesus comes in and he begins to talk not of a physical hunger and thirst, but of a spiritual one. And when you and I are hungry, what happens is our body tells our brain that our stomach is empty. And then our stomach begins to growl and it gives us hunger pangs. Anybody identify with those right now? You're already planning where you're going to eat lunch after church. Now, hunger is a natural response for your body. You don't have to tell your body it, that you're hungry. Your body tells you, right? You don't have to say, wait, am I hungry now? Let me check. No, your body says, yeah, it's time to eat. Can I get an amen? I'm excited about lunch today. It's already going to be good. Now, hunger is mostly controlled by the part of your brain called the hypothalamus. Everyone say hypothalamus. Now, grab your fingers, point your fingers up like this, and point them towards your temples on both sides, both fingers on both temples like this. Now, abbreviate mountain. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Empty. You never heard that joke? No, no, literally, everybody grab both fingers, point them on both sides right there, where your fingers, I, I see, I'm going to wait till all you do it. Nikki Chang right now, I'm watching you, there it is. Now where your fingers would touch is where your hypothalamus is, you can put your hands down, you're welcome. We're back in school and it's summertime. Now the hypothalamus, it regulates what's called as the autonomic nervous system function. Are y'all excited about today's message? I am. Autonomic nervous system function, and this is a control system acting, listen, largely unconsciously, and it regulates body functions such as heart rate, 
digestion, digestion, respiratory rate. It also regulates certain reflexes such as coughing. Everyone cough. And sneezing and swallowing. So listen, it regulates largely unconscious functions in your body. I want everybody to pay attention. Now I'm watching you now. I'm going to call you out. Are you ready for this? I want everyone to take a deep breath. Breathe in. Now breathe out. Now notice, I don't have to keep telling you to breathe. Your body is naturally breathing on its own. And this is the autonomic nervous system regulated by the hypothalamus. Listen, telling your body to do what it was created to do. So God created our bodies with a nervous system controlled by our brain, which empowers my body to be healthy and do what it was created to do. A system which God generated in a moment when he breathed life into Adam. Helping make sure our body does what it was created to do. Now let's think back to the two perplexing questions which we alluded to in the beginning of our time together. Question number one, who am I? Number two, why am I here? Now last week we unpacked how in this very same sermon just a few verses earlier, Jesus answered question number one when he says, you are mine. A son or a daughter. In Hebrews, we learn that we are heirs to the throne. In other words, that he has claimed us as his own. In the very same sermon, you are his. And now Jesus steps in in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, and he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That word literally translates to the word satisfy, which literally translates to being full filled. Fulfilled. It's as if Jesus is saying, when we hunger and thirst after his righteousness, we will be fulfilled. It's as if Jesus is saying that hungering and thirsting after his righteousness is the answer to perplexing question number two, that we'll begin to understand and know why we are here. Is it possible that in this sermon, which was his most famous sermon, he was laying the foundation for what humanity would struggle with for all their life? Is it possible that the answers are before us, but for some reason we struggle to arrive at the right conclusion? Here's the challenge. Jesus doesn't simply say, be hungry and thirsty. Turn to your neighbor and say, you thirsty. Yeah, y'all don't even know what that means. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you salty. <laughs> he says, he doesn't just say simply be hungry and thirsty. He says, hunger and thirst for what? His righteousness, meaning what I am hungry and thirsty for is the implied significance here. What I'm hungry for is the implied significance here. Now, while hunger is an unconscious 
automatic function of the body, my friends, our cravings are not. What we crave is completely different than simply being hungry. So the question I would ask to you today is, what are you hungry for? Turn to your neighbor and say, what are you hungry for? Turn to your other neighbor and say, carne asada nachos. Come on, somebody. Now, science shows us. Is it cool we're going to school today? Science shows us there are three portions of the brain involved in food cravings. And you know what's interesting? These three things, the hippocampus, the caudate, and the insula are also the very things involved in identical, involved in drug addictions. The very same functions of the brain that lead to cravings for food are the very same things triggered in drug addictions. Now the hippocampus, everybody say hippocampus. The hippocampus is important for memory, which helps reinforce the reward-seeking behavior that causes us to crave. So it is all about the mind. It's remembering what this is and what it tasted like and why we liked it. The caudate plays a role in the reward mechanism, and it helps us, listen, form habits, including food-related ones. So when my mind is functioning, I'm remembering what's happened. The caudate is kind of kicking up this desire for more. I've got to keep going after that food or whatever it is that I love. The insula, however, contributes to the emotional connection between food cravings. So in other words, what steers and creates our cravings is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Isn't it interesting when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart. The will, all your mind, and with all your soul, the emotions. Huh. Isn't it crazy how Jesus knew what we would struggle with? Yeah. And that's why when we eat at In-N-Out, it's a spiritual experience. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Next week, fathers, make sure you're here. It's going to be awesome. It impacts our mind, our will, in our emotions. You know how I know that? Have you ever pulled up to in and out and gone through quickly? No, you haven't. It's a 30-minute process. Can I get an amen from some people? It doesn't matter. At least the two that are closest to me, it's a 15-minute drive, and there is a line that circles all the way up to Santa Ana. Are you tracking with me? So you, you waited. Why? Because there's something about that double-double with lettuce, mustard, and ketchup only, some french fries, and can I get a chocolate shake, please? Are y'all tracking? Somebody's excited. We're talking about food today. But you get it in your mind, I need a double-double. And then that willpower kicks in, and you drive, and you wait for 30 minutes, and you're not angry, you're happy. And then your emotions burst forth into tears as you begin to eat, can I get a witness? Our cravings are driven by our mind, our will, and our emotions. Listen to me. This is important. I don't want you to miss this. So if you haven't been taking notes, which I can tell 90% of you are not, start taking notes. Every craving is linked to a desire to change your internal state. Every craving that you have, literally every craving that you have is linked to a desire to change what's on the inside. Being hungry and needing a double-double are two different things. Your body needs nutrients for energy, but it does not need cholesterol or heart failure. Can I get an amen? 
Are you tracking with me today? We've created these unhealthy cravings in an attempt to change what's on the inside. And we drive at things. We build entire lives pursuing something which we think will lead to fulfillment until we actually get it. And all of a sudden it dawns on us, this is not what I wanted. But my whole life, the last 5, 10, 15, 30 years have been driving at that which was created by an insatiable craving to change What's on the inside? Some of us, when life feels pointless, we just keep spending money for a sense of excitement. Some of us, when you feel depressed, you numb out with alcohol or Netflix or another relationship. And you may be satisfying the craving of fulfillment in the wrong way. Listen to me, you're filling up with something. You're hungry and thirsty for something. You, you, you are trying to survive. You are coping with something, but it may not be the right thing. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're full of it. <laughs> Jesus is saying, hey, to shift your cravings towards my righteousness, it means you'll have to align your mind, your will, and your emotions with who I am. So how do I align my mind with his righteousness? It's a great question. I think we should explore that for a few moments. How do I align my mind, the things that I think, with his righteousness? Well, I'd encourage you to write this down. Number one, you've got to replace your thoughts. Replace your thoughts. Listen, you can't just change your thoughts. If you're the resource for changing your thoughts, then you're going to find your way back to thinking the way you've always been thinking. You actually have to replace them. If I want to lose weight and get healthy, I can't just stop eating junk food. I have to start eating healthy. Are you tracking with me? So you have to replace your thoughts. That's why Paul, one of the chief writers in the New Testament, he said that daily we've got to transform our minds by renewing them through Scripture. In other words, I've got to replace what I normally think with what God thinks about me. His word must become the filter through which I see myself and every situation. So what, my friends, is shaping your cravings? What's shaping the cravings? You are eating and filling yourself with something. What is shaping those cravings? Is it, I need more? I want to escape, or it's my fault, or it's your fault. What's shaping your cravings? And what's more important is, what does God's word say about you? And you know what? You need to do some exploration on your own and not just depend on me to give you seven verses on a Sunday morning. Because then you will depend on me. I'll become the craving, which makes sense, but let's move on. <laughs> Sunday morning service will become the essence of what you need instead of finding out for yourself. Which means you've got to read the stinking Bible. Yeah. I got a little angry. I apologize. 
We've made it as easy for you as I possibly can. We have a reading plan on our website. Our whole team reads through it every day. You can start small or you can start big. You can read a couple verses, read a couple chapters. We've given you the tracks you need. The greatest app ever invented is the Bible app. Everything, there's no excuses. So start with letting God's word shift the way that you see yourself in every situation. And you've got to do some work on your own. Are you tracking with me today? So how do we align our will with his righteousness? How do we align his, our will with his righteousness? Number two, we've got to remove unhealthy patterns. Remove unhealthy patterns. Hey, some of us in this room, before you start making great choices, you need to stop making some stupid ones. Are you with me? Before you start making the right choices, I'll say it really nice now, you need to stop making poor choices. Now, you, you can't invite God's plan and heart into your life if you're constantly making choices that are contrary to his word, which means you got to know what his word says. So what are the things that you need to stop doing? I don't even have to go through a list. You probably already know. I was playing golf yesterday celebrating uh, Scott Gordy's birthday. And I always get asked what I do for a living by the other guys playing well. I'm always waiting for the third hole because that's enough cuss words into it. And then they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. But he started right off the bat. What do you do for a living? Smoking a cigarette. I said, I'm a pastor. Oh, I should probably stop smoking. <laughs> like, man, I'm not telling you anything, bro. <laughs> It was just the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so what do you need to stop doing? You probably already know. And listen, can I tell you something else? You need some accountability. So you're not strong enough to do this on your own. If you think you are, you're headed for disaster. So you need some people in your life that can come alongside and yeah, If it is smoking and you need to stop, that's going to help keep you accountable. Maybe, maybe it's a hidden pornography issue. 65% of the men in this room right now are probably consistently looking at pornography. And I promise you, that leads to a dead end. So you might need somebody to come alongside and say, hey, I've got a bad habit. I've been looking at stuff, and I want you to keep me accountable. Are you tracking with me this morning? Some of you in this room have been flirting with somebody that's not your spouse, and you need to stop it. You're toying with the idea and the notion of what, what would happen, what could happen. And you need some accountability. What do you need to stop? What do you need to stop? Maybe you need to start small. It doesn't have to be a huge step yet, but start small. You just need to stop making foolish choices. And you know what else you need? You need the Holy Spirit in your life. Yeah. Jesus said, hey, I've done my job. I paid for the sins of humanity, but I got a jet. My job on earth is done. And there's somebody who's coming behind me who's even greater. And he is the Holy Spirit. And he will come with power. 
And he will comfort you and guide you and give you strength and give you words to speak when you don't know what to say and heal and help restore your marriage and help you quit the addiction that you didn't think was possible to quit and to be able to say no to things you've been saying yes to and start saying yes to things you've been saying no to. Some of you need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And in the New Testament, we read in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, something radical happened. They had already followed Jesus, surrendered their lives and become Christians. And then he said, go to that upper room and wait because I will sin the Holy Spirit and he showed up and the Bible said they were baptized in the Holy Spirit there is something that happens after salvation we see it five times in the New Testament where the Bible says that a breath of fresh air called the Holy Spirit the pneuma the ruach shows up and does something in your life that you cannot do on your own some of you need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. If you've never experienced that immediately after this service, our prayer teams will be up in the wing day. We'd love to pray with you. Nothing crazy or weird happens. God's not weird. If you've seen weird people on TV, they don't go to this church. Are you tracking with me? You've been trying to do things. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you've been trying to fix things, but you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit and today is your day. I am so grateful that the Holy Spirit is active and at work in my life because I'm not strong enough. More knowledge of the Bible doesn't change the willpower. It helps me rethink the way that God thinks, but I need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in my life right here today to be married to my wife and be a good husband, to be married to an amazing woman who she needs the best version of me. Are you tracking with me today? It's good preaching, not even on my notes. You're welcome. You need accountability? You need to stop making some foolish choices and you need the Holy Spirit. So how do I align my emotions with his righteousness? You gotta refocus on your future. Refocus on your future. Here's what happens to us. Our emotions become a challenge when we see, hear, or experience something, then we feel something, and then we react based upon our feelings. That is literally, I just unpacked all the challenges you've ever walked through, I just gave you the mental synapse for that. You saw something, you heard something, you experienced something, then you felt something, and then instead of taking a moment to pause and reflect, you reacted based upon your emotions. Are you with me? So how do I align my emotions with his righteousness? Well, I've got to stop the cycle before I move to action. So to see, hear, experience something, and to feel something, God created us with that. He created us with emotion on purpose. Some of you guys are like, I don't think so. Sounds foolish to me. No, he created us anger and passion and love and excitement. God gave us that, but what he did not give us is the freedom to behave however we want to behave. So after we see, hear, experience, and feel, we got to slap ourselves in the face and ask some questions. These might just save your life. I would encourage you to write them down. How do I feel? How would I normally respond? What does God's word say about me? And what am I going to do differently? How do I feel? How would I normally respond? What does God's word say about me? And what am I going to do differently? You mirror that with the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Talk about fulfillment. I mean, another thing to ask is if I continue 
If I continue on this course with my behavior, with allowing my feelings to dictate every decision that I make, how is this going to impact God's future for me? How is this plan going to impact? If I just play this out and I continue on this course for destruction, how is it going to impact the future that God has for me? The Bible says that his plans are irrevocable. They have a lifetime warranty, but you have to choose to walk in it. He never forces his will or his purpose on our life. I'm just challenging you. How does that play out in your future? Are you with me this morning? I just think if we can align our mind, our will, and our emotions with him, we'll begin to shift the cravings. And naturally, they'll shift towards his righteousness. And that sounds like this. God, whatever you want for me, I want it for me. I, I want to behave how you want me to behave. I want to live how you want me to live. I, I want to lead how you want me to lead. I, I want what you want for me. And I think I'm not positive. But I think that's a life of fulfillment. I begin to understand why I'm here. And I don't know about you, but I want a little more of that in my life. How many of you would, just with a show of hands, be honest and say, I've got to shift some cravings to his righteousness? Would you raise your hand? Thank you. The rest of you are we're praying for your lying heart. <laughs> Can I pray for us? Before I pray, I, I just... I, I know that in a room like this and in a room this size with all the different backgrounds and nuances that we walk in with, I know, I know how the Holy Spirit works and that he, he's right here just kind of leaning in going, come on, this is for you. Not you can't ever make it, it's not going to work, but just no, no, this is, this is what I want for you. So as we pray, man, maybe make this prayer the most real prayer you've ever prayed where you just say, God, I, I want what you want for me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. God, we, we've got some work to do to shift our cravings from what we want to what you want. God, I know that, that everyone in this room would say, I, I want fulfillment. I, I want the fullness of God's heart and plan for me. But God, sometimes it's challenging, especially if we've got years, maybe decades of poor habits and poor choices. But God, what I love about you is you're in the restoration business. You bring dead things to life. You restore us to our original intent that there's no way we could outlive your love and your purpose for us. So God, right now, I pray you'd help us. We just surrender that aspect of our life to you. And we just pray this, God, whatever you want for us, we want it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, which means I agree. You know, what's interesting about the autonomic nervous system. It's the primary mechanism which controls the whole issue of fight or flight response. It's a natural thing that God created us with. That fight or flight. How do I respond to what's in front of me? And here's what I know. Look at me in the eyes for just one moment. There's some of you in this room that are in flight mode and you are running at a full speed sprint 
or maybe even a slow pace away from God. And you're running in the wrong direction. And today is not about anything other than just turning back and running towards Him. You've been trying it on your own already. And you know as well as I do, it just never works out the way you think it will. And the missing piece of the puzzle is beginning that journey of faith today with Jesus. And I want to give you a chance to do just that. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And with no embarrassment to you, I want to just challenge you where you're seated. In the quietness of your heart or maybe a small whisper to make this prayer your own. Some of you have never begun this journey And today's your day. And some of you have been running away from God, and today's the day to come running back. Can we pray one more time? With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, nobody moving. Those of you that are here in this room, in the family room, or listening online, I want to just challenge you. If you've been running from God, today is the day to stop running and just say yes to who he is. Would you just pray these words in your own way, right where you're seated? Just say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me, that you have a great plan and a great future for me, but I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? And now just make this statement your own today and make it with all the faith you can muster in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place We're excited about what the future has to offer. In Jesus' name we pray. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.